Welcome to the Ultimate Dentist Podcast. Join us to hear success stories of various individuals and learn clinical and life hacks to help you become the ultimate dentist. So hi everyone, um, uh, we have today Farhan and I am privileged to have Farhan in my, in my you know, podcast. Uh, Farhan had made a big impact, huge impact in my life. And I was talking to Farhan just now and you know, I was telling him that you, know, you have few decisions you make in your life which change and shapes your, your life. And one of the decisions I made which was meeting Farhan and following his advice and, and that has certainly has impacted my career uh, hugely. So so, uh, you know, I know how busy Farhan is. So thank you, Farhan, for, for you know, joining me today. And uh, for those uh, small number of people who, who don't know you, uh, could you please introduce yourself and tell us uh, who you are and what you do right now? Hello, everyone. Thanks, Dev. Thank you so, so much for the invite and those kind words. Uh, what a privilege it is to be on, on the podcast and, and being able to share a discussion with you and your audience so I suppose the best way to uh, sum who I am and what I do is my name is Farhan, as, as Dev has already told you, and I'm an implant surgeon who has a passion for education and training in the field of implant dentistry with a particular focus on full arch implants. But uh, I don't like to really put myself into that a box or category, and I think it's important that we sometimes try to stretch what we are as individuals. So I often I cringe at being called an implant dentist or thinking myself as an implant dentist, and, and I want to, because I feel there's more to me, and I, I encourage people to think that there's more to them than just confining them, themselves to a single profession. So I like to think of myself as a creative, someone that's always trying to push myself and others to really make a big an impact as possible. So at this moment in time, I have a particular focus on education. I'm a practice owner. I'm a father to two, to two kids. I'm a husband. I'm a son. And I'm just really trying to really push myself to be better all the time. So that, that's me. Well, thank you very much, Farhan. So in this podcast, um, what I am trying to do is I'm trying to capture people, you know, a dentist journey and um, to people who really want to model you. So, uh, you know, if I want to model someone, I want to really know their journey. I would like to know how they, you know, what were the struggles, how they went through. So I really understand them properly. So um, could you tell us about your journey? As as we all know that you not only a dentist, but you are also a doctor. So uh, could you just give us give us some ideas to you know from your a levels how did you decide to become a doctor and what then motivated you to join dentistry so i suppose uh, it all kind of starts from early teens i'm one of five my parents are migrants originally from pakistan my dad's a shopkeeper still works as a as a shopkeeper today and naturally growing up in a very traditional household I had three options growing up, a doctor, a lawyer, or a failure. And, you know, education was something at the tip of my dad's tongue every single day. And that's what I remember him saying, study, 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 really, really pushed us. And I remember going to the the, the shop with him to, to work with him. And it was his way of putting me off a career 
or a, or, an, or a job or a profession like he had and encouraging me and my other siblings to study, study, study. Uh, but a lot of me growing up, I, I wasn't really keen on a career as, as a doctor. Uh, I was primarily put off by my GP growing up and I, I just had this sort of tunnel vision of what it was, uh, what a career as a, as a medic was. So me and a number of people in my year at school, we all got together and we did dentistry and it, it was great fun. Uh, I, I mean, I did some work experience, but I didn't really know what I was getting in for. I mean, you know, some people think some people allude to the fact that, oh, you know, you think it's a, it's a good job and you get paid well, etc. I I don't know if that was the case. If that's what I was thinking when I was growing up, it was just me and my mates. We all went to dental school together, and uh, it wasn't mm-hmm. medicine. And my parents would still be proud because I'd have doctor as a title, and that was really why I did dentistry. And you know, dentistry was a struggle. Uh, I, you know, that step up from higher education to university level education was a real struggle, and. First year of dental school was tough. You know, it really was tough. Uh, I mean, I got, I barely passed by a couple of points each subject, and I was very close to being called or summoned towards pass fail vivas. But that really gave me the kick up the ass uh, to really uh, knuckle down. And then from second year up to fifth year, I really pushed on and, and really did do well through my studies, and, and there was no challenge getting through. So dentistry was fun. I was still living at home. So I was at Glasgow University. Uh, however, you come out and again, you're unaware. You really are unaware. I was anyway, of what lies above and what's what the possibilities are in terms of in your career. So again, safe option. I, I entered a two-year training program, which gave me a good variety of exposure to general practice, community dentistry, and hospital. And really, the, the, the big or the monumental change or the monumental significant moment that, that really changed my career and the trajectory of my career was working as a senior house officer within a really busy maxillofacial unit where I was around you know, really inspirational individuals, surgeons, dominating. Uh, They had a personality, sometimes positive, sometimes negative, but they had personality. They really stood out to me and they were dual qualified. And I looked at them and they did cool surgery. And I looked at them and I thought, I want to be like them. And to be like them, naturally, I had to go back to university to do uh, medicine. But I was like, mm, maybe I'll just see if I really want to do this. And then I did another year as a maxillofacial SHO. I applied. And the only place I got into medicine was Liverpool uh, Medical School. So I entered the four-year graduate program. So off I, off I went, left home. And medicine, as a dentist, doing medicine was a real challenge. It wasn't a challenge from the point of view academically. That getting through medical school was pretty straightforward, thankfully. It was just balancing everything. I had a mortgage, so I bought a flat when I moved down to Liverpool. The, the real challenges were personal and uh, financial, trying to make everything meet, school fees, fund myself. I had to work weekends, had to work night shifts. I was working in in the northwest of England. I was working up in Scotland, 48-hour on calls, etc. But they, those moments, you know, juggling everything really 
I feel if I look back, made me the person I am now because I just got on with it. I, I was financially, I was pretty skint. I remember a time I had to borrow money off my brother to pay my mortgage payments. Uh, I, I was skint, uh, but I was happy, you know, just juggling everything, just booking in shifts, turning up to clinic a bit late because I'd been on call at a local hospital. Uh, but it was fun, you know, it was really fun. And it was good to be amongst a graduate group of of other like-minded uh, individuals that were doing medicine and yeah and then one thing led to another and then I finished med school and naturally I was like right I'm going to now do F1, F2 so I moved back up to Scotland to do F1, F2 and before I finished med school I got married uh, just to throw that you know just to add complexity to life I got married and uh, <laughs> I did F1, F2 but towards the end of medical school I really thought to myself, you know, I want to do medicine, but I reflected back. I didn't just do medicine to follow a career in maxillofacial surgery. I did medicine also to further myself, to increase knowledge. And it's something that would never, it wouldn't be, a, a, a nobody could take that away from me. And I would always uh, benefit from having done it. And even if I, I told myself, even if I didn't follow a career in maxillofacial surgery, it, it's okay. You know, I, I'll always, my career wouldn't be, uh, you know, there wouldn't be a detriment, a negative effect of having wasted four years. You know, I, I'll be able to build on this. And even if I went down and went back to dental practice, I'll still benefit from the four years at medical school. So towards the end of medical school, I was starting to think about, you know, sort of bypassing MacFax and looking at options, going back into primary primary care, uh, carrying out dentistry. But I, when you leave medical school, you get access or you get entry into a, a two-year program, just like I did when I was a, a qualified from dentistry. So I did uh, two years as an F1, F2, I did a variety of stuff, general medicine, a &E, general surgery, a lot of fun. But uh, as fun as it was, it had a huge impact on my life in terms of personally, uh, just because of the night shifts, etc. It's just not great fun when you're in your early 30s doing late night shifts or doing really random shifts in A&E. And that really cemented my decision to step away from uh, medical medical training and a career in maxillofacial surgery and look at options within dentistry and I was lucky because uh, I had friends and people I knew getting together that were building a group of uh, dental clinics and I got involved in a partnership and actually on that note when I was in FY1 I actually bought I bought a dental practice because I don't know I just had an opportunity and I thought oh why not and while I worked as an FY1, I also ran a dental practice at the weekend, which was a, a small referral practice uh, that would uh, really cater for a lot of oral surgery and sedation services with, within the Edinburgh area. And so one thing led to another. I was involved in this dental practice and we quickly built up to a group of seven practices and I was one of the partners. And my responsibility was looking after the oral surgery and sedation services because that's all I really knew after dental school. I mean, I did VT and I did some general dentistry, obviously, in VT. But after that, I had very little exposure to general dentistry. All my experience was surgical dentistry. And so 
really when it, I came out of med school, I had to look at what did I know. I knew surgical dentistry, and so that's what I offered uh, my partners or the group of practices. So I would I would sort of lead uh, dentists for the surgical and sedation services, and that's what I what I did. And then naturally, one thing leads to another. Like anything, you're always looking to build and get and bring in new skills to your uh, repertoire. And I always say to people, uh, the the basis, the basics or the foundation for implant surgery is good surgical dentistry, oral surgery. And so I was very, very competent in doing oral surgery. And then one thing leads to another, and I started doing implants. I was lucky I was around a good group of people to help me support me in my implant journey, doing simple implants, more complex implants, et cetera, et cetera. One thing leads to another, and then I ended up doing full arch implants, then started doing more and more complex full arch implants, and then started doing getting into teaching and a lot of teaching. And now this uh, presently about 80 to 90% of my work is teaching. And I think obviously I've always known that my passion, my true purpose is lies within the education and training side of things. I really get a buzz out of being able to help other clinicians uh, learn and develop. And I love seeing them being able to do the work that I can do and ultimately surpass my, my level and the work, you know, the, the kind of work I do. That's the, that's the absolute ultimate. Uh, and I'm very fortunate now in my in my training community. I help tens tens of uh, implant dentists uh, upskill and learn full arch implants to the point where they, they quickly are are starting to do this type of work independently. So yeah, that that's really the the journey clinically started I started dental school in 2000 and uh, I finished in 2005, I finished medicine in 2012 and I've been in general practice since for the last 8 years uh, since I left a foundation medical training and it's been crazy. It's been just uh, an absolute whirlwind and I wouldn't change it for anything but at this present moment in time I, I'm no longer a partner in any uh, in a group of dental practices I have my own practice in Edinburgh where I service the implant needs of the referred patients I work there Monday Wednesdays and the rest of the time I'm teaching and I travel all over the country from uh, as south as Exeter and Brighton and as north as Oban and Turriff in Scotland. So I go wherever and anywhere and I'm very fortunate to be asked to to lecture on a, on, a, on a quite frequent basis. And next week I'm in Rome for the European Dent meeting where I'm talking uh, about a full arch a implants a, to hopefully quite a large audience. So yeah, I mean, I, I never for a moment thought that I would be where I am uh, and I'm extremely grateful that people have helped me get to where I am. Yeah, so it's a quite a journey, quite a roller coaster. You know, you you've been so busy. So one one of the question I had was when you were working in, you know, uh, doing your medicine, you were saying you were working weekends. What what type of job were you working as a dentist, or you were uh, working what type of what was work? Yeah, so the majority of so when I was at medical school. I, I formed really good links with different maxillofacial units. So obviously the maxillofacial unit that I was working as as a dental SHO up in Scotland, the west of Scotland, 
I had links there, so I'd, I would do some local shifts for them. Where I was in, in Liverpool, as a medical student, I quickly built up links, and they were always looking for dentists who were now studying medicine as their second degree to come and do on-call shifts. So I quickly built up relationships with the clinicians there. So primarily most of my work was as a maxillofacial uh, senior reg, senior uh, From doctor. the beginning. Yeah, from, from the beginning. And I sort of tried to focus most of my work around there because it was good to start to build that network because, you know, I knew when I was coming out of training, I'd be looking for a training post. And if 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 I was liked, if people knew who I was and knew what I was capable of, then they would have, they would have certainly helped me get my desired position. And uh, I'm sure you get this question asked uh, a lot probably, and it's, it's difficult to answer, but uh, I just wanted to ask that, you know, looking backwards, do you think you could have done, you would have done anything differently? Because I know that who we are sh- is shaped by our past, right? So I strongly believe in that, that, you know, the, our experiences shapes our future. Uh, but, but let's say you, you know, you have a magic wand and you go back uh, knowing what you now know. Do you think you would, you would do something, anything differently? For, for a long time, I thought if I could go back, I would have, I, I should have just done medicine the first time round. I mean, I remember applying for medicine and getting, okay. in, and getting in. And my dad always wanted me to be a doctor. Uh, I mean, he didn't really admit to that until I, I applied to do medicine and then got into the medicine. And he goes, why, why didn't you just do that first time round? And, you know, just you're, you're getting <laughs> online and work in practice. And he's like, yeah. Uh, and so, but for a long time, I, I often asked myself, what if I just did medicine the first time round and I could have gone down F1, F2 surgical training and did ENT orthopedics or something, I would have really enjoyed that. That would have been great. But as you said, Dev, now at this present moment, looking back, I I look at it all as learning, as growth, as as really the, the obstacles, the experiences that have shaped me who I am and I'm happy with who I am right now, and I'm very fortunate. And so I wouldn't change it. But there were times where I thought oh, I should have just done medicine the first time round, because a lot of the a lot of what held me back from pursuing a career in MaxFax was I was in my early thirties, and I just couldn't be bothered with doing surgical training. Again, you know, F one, F two was hard enough. You're 31, 32, and you're with people, no disrespect, they're 23, 24, and, and you were, and, and it's just, it's tough going. And then I would be do, I would be doing that for the next sort of four years through surgical training and the, the lack of autonomy, the lack of control in terms of training. And then even when you get to consultant level, the the mono specialization within a particular particular specialty and so you can work this you can devote a decade to training and then you may not get to do what you thought you wanted to do and I, I, there was too much uncertainty and i said nah, it was a good time to get out and i stepped away and there's absolutely no regrets about that yeah, I mean, I I also um, believe. I think uh, many time we learn 
while we do something and and rather than staying in the system sometime uh learning slows down um especially and that's why you know when i teach full matric instruction i i tell people that you don't have to be a specialist you don't have to be uh, you're doing msc diplomas and stuff you, you you can learn with a good mentor uh having a good mentor you can learn full matric instruction um but obviously you were more than qualified to do uh full arch dentistry now could you just enlighten us with your simple let's say someone wants to you have mentored me uh, on full arch so i know how the system works but for people who who don't know how uh, you know things would work how how would it work if someone wants to you, to to reach out to you and you know mentor you, you know, i'm sure you have a system i know you have a system so could you share with us how how would that work Yeah sure Deb. so uh, most people reach me through word of mouth or they've seen me on social media etc or, or or maybe someone in their circle of friends is doing full arts and they're like who's teaching you who's helping you and and my name comes out up and then people reach out to me uh, it all starts off with uh, an issue call and it's like a discovery call so i really need to get to know the clinicians that want to work with me and I, I, and actually it's a two way process it's a partnership so I need to get to know I need to get to know who they are where they're coming from what their experience is what level they're doing implants uh at at this present time what they're hoping to achieve I need to get to know their environment and they need to understand the process of of learning something that is particularly complex and it's not for everybody and a number of people I don't allow or or say it's not the right time for them right now Uh, and that's based on experience it's based on their aspirations and goals and I, i'm not i don't take them on and it's not it's not a hierarchy it's not that i think i'm special uh, naturally i have to be an ambassador i have to be protective over what i teach and and the technique uh, so i have to be selective in who comes on board and when people come on board we're 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 on a journey together and everybody is on a journey themselves with me personally it's it's not a competition with other people on on the on the group and the community we go as slow or as fast as as they want and we take it nice and slow so i suppose the best way to sum it up is it's in essence of a five step process uh, there's the discovery call i need need to get to grips with the the sort of belief that an individual clinician has in themselves and their confidence le- level what their mindset is like then naturally i need to go through the theory aspect and a lot of that happens online and then as and when cases come about uh, are identified and i help clinicians identify cases we talk through cases then we book them in then i come down we do one to one mentoring and that's repeat until an individual becomes more and more competent and then i can start to uh, virtually mentor you uh, maybe i'm there for support maybe i'm just there for case planning and at all that during during sort of steps 3 and 4 you're always part of a community of like-minded people that are on a journey some are earlier some are in the same position some are uh, further on but i i believe that we learn better together so i'm a, i'm a big supporter of trying to build a community where we're all learning together and yeah i mean it's my program and i put it together etc but i'm only the gatekeeper you know i'm only the instigator 
I stimulate discussion, etc. The community sort of looks after itself. People are posting cases, people are sharing ideas, people are posting their cases that they are now doing independently. I'll post cases. And I've just been fortunate that I've been able to bring a, a group of great like-minded clinicians together and we're all learning together for one uh, one purpose and that's our patients and, and just trying to get better all the time. Yeah, I mean, I I really really like uh, enjoy your your uh, what you know the group WhatsApp group as as you say they're all like minded people and um, we we I did I did mention that to you. you know, everyone seems to be so nice and uh, you know uh, you did tell me that you know you attract the people like you uh, who you are so you know that that really reflects on the group. Um, so you know I know and I, I'm being. Uh, I mean, I'm not as experienced, I'm not doing as complex cases as you, but I do a fair bit of implant and people do approach me um, saying that, you know, I want to start uh, doing implant and, and the analogy I give them is that it's like, it's not like, you know, you're driving a car. Now you can swap from diesel car to petrol car and you won't probably, you can still drive it. You don't need that much training. So if you're doing any restorative treatment and you want to upskill in that restorative treatment, that's, that's, that's the analogy. But implant is like, you're a pilot of a plane, you know, it's completely different because you need to, it's a whole different remit. Um, so do you have anyone, do you have like a pathway in your mind when you're advising someone who, let's say, just freshly graduated, but their angle, they're so focused that they want to do implant? What, what kind of, a, if you were to suggest like a pathway, what do you, what would you suggest to them? What should they do? Uh, in order to reach where you are, but they just graduated, or obviously they can't start doing foulage when they just graduated, but they need a pathway. So do you have any any sort of advice in mind as to what pathway they should follow? Yeah, so it's a really common question, and I'm sure, as you said, Dave, you get asked it a lot, I get asked it a lot, uh, and, I, and it's always really humbling when I have people come up to me and say, I want to be like you, and I'm like, wow, that's, that's a big <laughs> It's a big responsibility. So if I think back and I've dissected and reflected, what I feel is really crucial to developing in surgical implant dentistry, first of all, you, you need to be in the right environment. And what I mean by that is you want to be around like-minded people. So you, do, you don't want to do VT in a small practice where you're not really going to get exposure to implants or surgical dentistry. So you want to be in a practice where they're doing implants there's opportunities to get involved in surgical dentistry, sedation dentistry, etc. So I think that's really important. And then you want to be around people that are then going to inspire you. So you want to be around people that are knowledgeable and, and generous with their time to share their experiences and let you watch and maybe assist in what they do. So I think that is crucial because you may think you want to do a particular specialty or discipline within dentistry but you won't really know that until you get really you know a strong exposure to that so I think that's really important and that's your environment so that's really really important and then you really want to build a start to build a sound foundation in surgical dentistry so really gets like a taking out teeth raising surgical flaps doing wisdom teeth starting to suture maybe some uh, soft tissue surgery etc in terms of biopsies phrenectomies you know, you get you, you get what I'm saying. So really start to build in a stepwise manner your skills when it comes to surgical dentistry, because that is the foundation to being a, a really competent 
the implant dentist. So that would be the second thing. And then the third thing is, uh, as time passes, you're in and around implant work, you're seeing a lot of surgical dentistry, you're starting to get involved in surgical dentistry, you want to you want to sign up to a course. And there's such an abundance of courses out there, I often get asked, what course? Well, I said, well, you know, whatever one suits you in terms of budget, time constraints, time restriction, etc., travel, whatever, budget-wise, really, uh, you need to do a course because... We'll have to meet GDC requirements, the theoretical aspect. You'll start to meet start to meet like minded people, etc. So do a course that suits you. So that's fine. But ultimately, where a lot of the learning will happen is when you're starting to uh, treatment plan and see patients, your patients that require implants. And at that point, you need to have people supporting you to help you treatment plan appropriately, look at CT scans and read them appropriately, and then come to mentor you on a one-to-one basis. I am where I am because I was mentored. People sacrifice their time me too. on me on a one-to-one basis. And that is naturally, there's an investment, etc. but that investment will come back 10 times in, in the future. So as as there's so many wonderful courses out there, that step where you're getting one-to-one mentoring and you have access to someone that will support you, guide you, assist you to treat and plan your patients appropriately and then come and help you is, is where you will really see yourself elevate to a whole new level. So that's what I typically say to, to new dentists uh, wanting to learn uh, but it's easier said than done I have, yeah i mean i have to say that because it is it is i mean I, I i usually tell them that you know find a mentor first and then do the course because you know you you do the course and I, i've seen there where people have done the course and then they they finished like maybe three four maybe even five implants let's say 10 implants they placed it's not enough uh, to to just do 10 implants and just go solo i mean you need continuous mentoring and for me i i mean i am where i am as you said i mean because of the mentor and i had not one i had multiple mentors for multiple disciplines because every mentor had their biases so you know you learn one technique one skill let's say you have mentor for implant then you have i have mentor i had mentor for you know grafting i had mentor for soft tissue grafting i had mentor for my restorative uh, treatments so you know um you have different mentors so i tend to tell people that find a mentor first and then do the course because if you do the course and if you still can't find a mentor which has happened then unfortunately course alone is not enough you can't really do any you can do masters but if you don't have mentor, yeah. um, you, you can't that's upskill. That's a very, very valid point. And I, and I feel a question you should be asking the course organizers is, is who's, who's going to mentor me? And what's the, you know, what, what's the plan here once I do the course or during the course and I have patients, how am I going to be supported in my development, in my own practice? And all credit to course providers. A lot of the courses now are aware that people are looking for mentoring because they, they know the benefit of it and they have that, uh, you know, boxed off. They have people or, or that are in the course or previous uh, sort of graduates from the course that will, will support the mentoring side. 
uh, when it comes to uh, going back, you know, sort of going back to your practice and, and having patients, etc. And I think you're right, David, that, that really is the most important uh, part of it. A, a lot of work, I see this a lot, and one of the reasons I suppose I set up my teaching the way it is, where mentoring on a one-to-one basis is such a big part of it, is I was involved in a lot of teaching earlier on, and I would I would see a lot of delegates come up and they would be learning from great clinicians, but they would never adopt what they were learning. They would go back to practice and it would just be forgotten and they were never adopting it. And I asked, well, why is that? You know, why are people are investing thousands in learning a particular technique, but when then but when they go back to their own clinics, they're not doing it. And a lot of it is we, we just maybe the preparatory side of things, we're not paying enough attention to. You know, I encourage people, if you're going on a course and it's about a new technique, then you should have four or five patients lined up so you can start to practice what you've learned as soon as you get back, because that's the best time. And that's what I did when I went back in 2018. I went to Brazil to learn zygomatic implants. When I came back, we had patients lined up and we were, you know, within the next week we were doing we were doing zygomatic, so it was still fresh, fresh in our mind, uh, fresh muscle memory, etc. And that really allowed us allowed me to to push on and develop in in in, in that particular skill. But I, I still do. If I was learning something new, it would be the same. I would be looking to come into practice the next week and start practicing what I'd been taught the week before. And I think that is absolutely crucial. Yeah, I mean, I'm guilty of spending tens of thousands of pounds and, you know, going to courses, uh, soft, you know, abroad and for a week course, I spent 10,000 pounds and came back and kind of implemented almost 5% of it. Uh, and my main um, main issue was um, I, I learned really ha- having mentor besides me. I mean, I I'm very... I struggle to implement anything new without help. And and that's why I always have mentor. And, you know, I look back and say, well, I've did these courses, but I haven't implemented. And and the the time when I haven't implemented is when I had no support after a course finished and I had no one to go back to and ask questions. Um, And that's when I struggle and I have implemented. So, you know, uh, even though I had cases, but yes, cases, I mean, again, when I teach full mouth reconstruction, um, the, the way I work, as you know, is, you know, the people sign up six months before my hands-on course and we do treatment planning sessions. Um, you know, they do my online course. So make, that means that they have patient ready when they come for the hands-on course, because then they can implement it straight away. So, uh, and then after hands-on course, they still support uh, after hands-on course for treatment planning sessions. And I feel that all the course should do that because they need to prepare dentist to find patient uh, before the course and then, you know, uh, do the course so that they can implement it straight away because having those, I mean, I, I was I was listening to interview with Drew uh, and, and a couple of other guys that, you know, when you have these courses and you get, you know, videos of course delegates just finishing the course last minute, like four o'clock of the last day, you get testimonials saying that course was amazing and everything. For me, that's not really a benchmark. But my benchmark is like six months after you then record, you take, take the testimonial of the dentist 
after they'd done, they Im- implemented the, the, what you taught them because everyone's buzzing after the course, right? After two days of course, they all are buzzing. Um, and that's the time, not, that's not the time to take their testimonials. The time to take testimonials is six months down the line. And that's when we really know what we taught has really sunk in and whether they've used it. Yeah, and, and I mean, I, I think that's very, very true. And, you know, I, I suppose that's why we get on, Dev, and I suppose we have a similar philosophy. You know, teaching is everything to me. You know, for me, it's purpose, it's passion. And what's what really means the world to me is when I see clinicians being able to do the work that I've taught them independently. And... You know, I've, it just gives me meaning that I've been able to pass on a skill and now they're they're rolling with it and they're getting the, the joy and the benefits that I've had of many years of being able to do something. And there's so many bonus points, whatever you want to call it, from being able to execute something comfortably. You know, that feeling of doing something, and I'm sure you have the same when you do full mouth reconstruction, it's effortless. Now, when I do full arch implant dentistry, you know, sort of all on four, all on six, pterygoids, transinus, it comes very natural. And it's such a nice place to be where you can turn up and it's effortless. You're just, the patient's there. It's your arena and you're like, give it to me. Whatever happens, I can deal with it. And that's a great place to be. And then when you can pass that on and let another person feel that way, that's magical. Uh, yeah. You know, and it's it not simple. I get messages or x-rays from colleagues and they're like, look, I did this today. And um, it just fills me with such joy that they're getting the results that I would get, you know, equally, equally as good as I would be do- I would be. Uh, and that, that's a great feeling and you know being able to pass a skill on to someone else that that's that's just the best feeling so I think that's a big part of what uh, the reason and, and I'm sure you're the same because we've t- we've spoken about this a lot where if we can pass on yes. to someone else and then they can roll with it then that that's just awesome and for me the real uh, the real golden nugget is when I have clinicians that I've worked with and I'll, they surpass me. That's that's the real nugget. You know, for me, I want the clinicians I work with to surpass me, to surpass my skill level. Uh, yeah. That that would be the ultimate. Yeah, unless you teach you and I've, uh, you know, I'm at the same boat as you you are. And, you know, unless you are teaching and you're seeing that, you don't really understand the feeling you get when someone is really achieving the standard you are achieving without your help. Yeah. And it's it's the best feeling. I mean, even if I if I do the case really nicely, uh, I don't get that much satisfaction as if I've someone else who I've taught does the case yes. exactly the same standard yeah. I've done it. You know, yeah. so it's a completely different feeling. That oh yeah. my god! I mean, I've managed to you yeah. know um, help someone to a level. Yeah, and the thing is, like, and I'm sure the same. You know, I don't want those clinicians to to go. Oh, you, you know, Fairhand, thank you so much. No, 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 no. Nothing, like, but it's just nice to know that look, this person yeah. they were here, they worked with me, and look where they've got to. Maybe you had a small part to play in that. That's great, but look where where they've got to. It's just amazing to be able to unlock something in someone, 
uh, where they're then able to achieve things. And we all need that. And I suppose that's a, the role of a mentor. We don't really see what's within us and we need other people to see what we can actually achieve. And a lot of that, same with full arch, uh, implants, full, full mouth reconstruction. There's a lot of people out there that just don't have the self-belief, the confidence to take on these cases. They have the skill level or they have the capability yeah. of achieving the skill level to, to get that work uh, and complete that work to a really good standard. They just don't have that self-belief and confidence. And what I see myself, a lot of my work that I do is I give people that self-belief and confidence because I was there once upon a time and I'm and I just look at I look at them and say, Well, I'm no you're no different to me. I was there, had doubts and doubted myself and had challenging cases to manage, etc. But I got through it and and I'm doing it now. So you can do it. Come on. Yeah, I mean, hundred uh, percent. And and as I said, that's a that's a really great feeling. And I hope um, you know you continue, uh, and I'm sure you can will continue. You know, helping many more hundreds. And I hope I do as well, because as I said, that's that's a, it's an amazing feeling to be able to help people. Uh, to achieve, um, you know, success. Well, uh, thank you very much, Farhan, for attending today. Is there, before before we, we you know, uh, I'll let you go, uh, is there any tips or any golden nuggets would you like to share with, with our audience? Uh, maybe one thing, someone asked me, and I, I don't know, what, uh, let me think of the question they asked me. What, what do you think, what, what do you think the qualities required to get to, your level or, or get to the position you're in. And I said, it's really simple, you know, because I've thought about this and I've spoken to other colleagues about this. I think there's two things that you need. If I look back in my life, what were the two qualities that got me where I am? And then looking at other people and speaking, two qualities. One is resilience. You just need, I think, resilience and having the ability to just keep going, You've been knocked down. Maybe it's a patient. Maybe it's a family situation. Maybe it's other colleagues knocking you down. Having that resilience to keep going because you've got goals, ambitions. I think that's critical. The second thing is uh, consistency. You just keep going. Uh, consistency. Keep doing it every single day. Keep pushing yourself. Keep practicing. Keep trying new things. Keep an open-minded. So resilience and consistency. You can achieve anything. And if I look back... Uh, what are, what are the two qualities that really got to me where I am? It, well, it's resilience and, and just be trying to be consistent as possible. Putting in that effort uh, has really helped me get to the, the position I am now. And hopefully that will, over the next decade, help me get further forward. So uh, hopefully, if you take that away, I think that, that would be absolutely brilliant. However, I often find when I'm giving other people nuggets or, or a bit of advice, most people don't listen. And that's not because it's, because I, I don't know, they don't, but most people don't listen. But I don't think it's hard to get to the level that you and me are at. I just think it takes that, that resilience, that consistency, effort, open-mindedness, focused on goals, staying in your lane, not really taking too much interest in what other people are doing, just staying focused. But there's so much noise around us that we get distracted and it's trying to block out those distractions and just stay focused. And then you'll be amazed at what you can achieve. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, coming talking to a point about consistency, I've, I've thought about that a lot as well because, 
you know, I am not consistent in everything I do. So I'm consistent when it comes to dentistry, mm -hmm. but there are other aspects of my life I'm not consistent. And, you know, I always ponder that what makes us consistent, you know, and, and that is something is one to understand because everyone will be, everyone are, you know, have consistency in something. Many people are consistent being inconsistent and that's also consistency, you know, because they're consistently inconsistent. Ooh. So, um, you know, something makes them take, do that. And, and if you, if you really uh, self analyze yourself, you really understand, but I completely agree. You know, I always think when I'm not achieving something, that's because I'm not consistent, you know, um, and, and well, well, thank you very much again for your really good two nuggets and, and the, the whole hour, uh, you know, on, on a bank holiday, uh, spending with me, um, Farhan, thank you very much. And I Pleasure. wish you all the best, um, if, guys, if anyone want to do, you know, full arch dentistry, reach out to Farhan on social media. He is everywhere, uh, literally. So, um, just reach out to him and, you know, um, or uh, contact me and I can put you in touch with Farhan. Thank you very much, Farhan. Oh,